Hello, hello, and welcome into another exciting episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. Back with you after two whole weeks with no new episodes. What are we doing here? Well, we'll explain all of that. We'll get to that. But first, let me introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Kirk. Dim diddlem dim 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 diddlem dim 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 diddlem dim 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 Nice. Let's see the gun. Oh yes. Is that the golden gun? Only green. This this is the the PP7 green edition. Love it. Water gun edition. Beautiful. That's my co-host Kirk. If you're not watching the video on YouTube, that probably that whole sequence probably made zero sense. But you know what? That's that's on you, honestly. At this point, if you you know if you sh- if you're choosing to not see it, then that's that's not our fault. Um, I'm your other co-host Cam, and at long last, we are reviewing Bond 25, as I've been calling it for a long time, because that that was the thing they were calling it Bond 25. Remember hashtag Bond 25 before the title reveal. This was way back in. <laughs> You know, 2019, 2018, <laughs> pre-pandemic, the, the world didn't even know nothing. We knew nothing at that time. But Bond 25, we're calling it No Time to Die Now, and we're back, Kirk. And this feels, this feels appropriately fitting that we're back for this big, giant movie. So to catch you guys up, we had no episodes for two straight weeks. I can't remember the last time we did that, if ever. I don't know that it has happened. Um Certainly not recently, but a whole whirlwind of things happened. We had a trip, which was scheduled. We went to Gatlinburg as, a, as an extended family. For those of you new to the program, Kirk and I are brothers-in-law, so we tend to end up on the same family vacations. Mm-hmm. And then I got sick from my kids because my kids like get sick all the time. And that put me out of commission for a whole week. Like I still can't hear out of my right ear. I'm like still slightly congested but man last week it was bad like you would not have wanted to listen to any of that so we had to shut it down for two whole weeks but we're back kirk how does it feel it feels uh quite honestly like i'm a clumsy mess i uh i tripped over my my headphone wire just a moment ago um yeah if you're watching on the video you saw me scramble on screen i um uh there was also a tornado warning right before this oh my gosh We've been delayed by an hour. We almost had to cancel again. It's That's been right. quite, you know, th- things are working against us, but we will not stop. We will not allow them to anymore because this is important. This is popcorn for breakfast. You come here for joy, for laughter. You come here for, you know, my voice is lower than it was the last time we recorded, by it's the possible. way. I don't know, I don't know what's, what's going happening on there. there too, but you come here. To talk about I don't the know world. why I come here to be honest with you. I, I guess uh, movie reviews, maybe. Hopefully. I'll tell you. I'll tell you movie reviews, but more importantly, the art that comes out of movie reviews, Cameron. Mm. That's why they're here. That's good. We'll see. We'll see. I guess because we're going to review, so we'll see how artistic we are in our reviews. I feel pretty good about my thoughts on this movie. I think this is a hard movie to review. Yes, for a number of reasons. I think the fact that it is Bond. <laughs> you know, there's a whole. 24 movies that come before it that makes it difficult it is sort of its own genre within a genre you know of Mm -hmm. of like spy type espionage type action political thrillers um and then you've got the fact that it's the last daniel craig bond you've got the fact that you're wrapping up this five movie arc you know this this the first real truly modern arc of james bond and uh yeah i think for all those reasons it's very difficult but no time like the present to just dive right into it, Kirk. And you, my friend, are up on synopsis, which this is appropriate because, like, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna perpetrate. Kirk is the Bond fan here. Like, I enjoy the movies for sure, and I have seen enough <laughs> to know my way around the genre. I've seen most of the significant, you know, the ones that people are like, these are the ones you have to see. I've seen them. Kirk has seen more than me by a long shot, and nearly all of them at this point. So, Kirk, without further ado. Feel free to synopse at any time. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I have seen almost all of the Bond films. I don't, I've seen almost all of them before the announcement of this one, but I wanted to watch them chronologically to see the journey of every Bond actor. And when the pandemic hit, I said, well, forget that. Who knows when this movie's coming out? So I unfortunately never picked that back up. I got to the last uh, Roger Moore film, and that's where I actually need to pick back up and uh, continue my journey to watch them chronologically and watch this one again, because it's it's quite the fun genre it's quite fun it's quite um yeah the the niche of it all is very fascinating that they were able to build this whole character 25 films in and plans to continue uh with a new actor uh, of course starting in 22 they'll start that search and maybe we'll get a new bond film in 2023 as a as a hope and goal we'll see maybe as long as they don't delay it this movie no time to die bond 25 Daniel Craig's last outing, big deal. It is a big deal. Arguably, everyone in the public eye seems to think that Daniel Craig is the best Bond to date, whether that is because he is your favorite actor, whether it is because it is the best writing that the Bond films have done, uh, whether it's a combination of both. Recency effect. Could be recency effect as well. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little worried to name my favorite Bond, and I won't do that on today's podcast. Uh, But whatever it might be, your feelings are true. Let that be them. Um, If if he's simply your favorite Bond because he's blonde, well, I support that with my blonde hair as well. But let's talk about the synopsis of this film so that way we can digest this and dissect it. This is quite possibly. Um, the most complicated bond that we've had to date. Uh, We have had some complicated things in the past, especially with Daniel Craig. And be honest, there are other ones uh, in the full canon that are quite, quite layered and quite confusing to recall Uh, specifically um, George Lazenby's, even though he was only in a one film uh, uh, outing, very complicated, very, very wild uh, ups and downs there. But this one in particular has so much happens in this film in the two and a half hours that you got to pay close attention. So we begin with a flashback to when we have uh, Madeline, uh, who is played by Leah C- Saito, um, uh, from the past when she's a child. Um, she is uh, her father is uh, part of Spectre, as we come to find out. Blofeld is her father, and. Uh, we see a no, Mr. A very, White. Mr. White's her father. Sorry, Mr. White was yeah, her yeah. father, and we see um, uh, Rami Malek's uh, character come in and basically tr- uh, hope that he's home and try to kill him, uh, or at the very least, kill his family, which he thinks he successfully succeeds, which he does not. And as we continue this journey, we flash forward. Bond is on on vacay with her, and uh, there is a sudden bombing from. Uh, from his uh, visit to a grave and then it's on it's on like donkey kong he believes that madeline has betrayed him that she is specter that his world is crumbling uh, down upon him there's all of this are you with me are you not even puts her in the car and is like maybe we'll just kill ourselves here let let all the villains kill us i'm done fighting i'm done running and ultimately he decides all right she must be on my side. Well, let's go. They roll into just this world of bioterrorism, which we've seen before in Bond, but uh, takes on a whole new level in the COVID world. Uh, and remember, this was written before uh, we knew anything about bat soup. And we find that there are these nanobots akin to uh, Big Hero 6 that will actually understand your DNA and write you off and kill you if you don't have the right code or if your DNA is encoded to be part of the target then you're done so so very very dangerous weapon here Um, very uh, very futuristic um, but not too distant future at the same time so very clever uh, for walking the line of, of spy and realism and what we find through this very, uh, very layered, very complex plot is that Bond, at, by the end of this film, has a daughter named Matilde or Matilda uh, with Madeline, even though she claims at first it's not his own. And ultimately, Bond sacrifices himself to save the day, uh, to make sure that these this bomb destroys all of the technology for this bioweapon to uh, have legs or be able to be duplicated or anything like that. He comes down to the wire, which he often does, but this time, for the first time in Bond history, he's not able to escape with .007 seconds on the clock. Uh, he just uh, succumbs to it and says, this is it. 
I got to go. So a very wild journey for No Time to Die, in which Bond did die, in which I must uh, admit there is egg on my face. I thought that he was not going to be killed. That's right. And uh, I should have pulled the clip to roll the tape. Maybe we'll do that on another episode uh, when we tease your punishment. (laughs) But I just want to say something that I always love saying. Just ask my wife. This is my favorite thing to say. Um, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. And I win. Um, I knew Bond was going to die. I called it. Kirk said no. Kirk was blinded by his love for Bond, blinded by his knowledge. Me being the outsider, I said, he's dying. And they did it. They freaking did it. They killed him. And here we are, Kirk. And so now I think there's something, some, some, some sort of snack pack related punishment. You have to eat like a thousand chocolate snack packs in one, one, minute or something like that i don't know exactly that is correct is. that is correct yes 10 at least 10 in under one minute um which which uh, would make me puke easily for sure that's going to be the um the nft if you want to see me vomiting uh they will have that available <laughs> for like the, you it's for like the gallon price. challenge is what it sounds like to me <laughs> with milk like I, I i want no part of that but that's right <laughs> but yeah you you were wrong i was right um so here we are here we are and and bond is is no more um, but we'll get into that because at the end of this, Kirk, I think I don't know. I don't know. We didn't we didn't prep this, but I do want to kind of talk about the future of Bond just briefly. Yes. Just briefly. I know we've already sort of talked about you know on recent episodes, kind of who we want to be the next Bond, who who our picks would be. But I want to talk a little bit more about what they did here. You know, killing Bond, which is something that has not been done in the history of the franchise, and what that means, and kind of. You know, if we think it was the right call, if we th- how we think they pick up the pieces, and and we'll go from there. But great synopsis, Kirk. I think really, <laughs> I think of this movie as Spectre Part Two, and and they honestly yes. could have even they could have done that. I hate it whenever movies are called Part One and Part Two. It's just like makes my skin crawl. But for all intents and purposes, Spectre was the first part of this movie, and those two together really make one cohesive story you know, mm-hmm. within a story in a way. So um, good stuff. Well, let's let's jump into our acting awards, Kirk. I want to hear who your best actor is, who the Oscar is going to for you. You have the floor. Oh, thank you very much. This one's uh, a no-brainer. It goes to Mr. Daniel Craig. They wrote this final film knowing that it was his to hit on all of his strengths. And we get to see Unhinged Bond, um, we get to see a restricted bond where he wants to tear Blofeld's head off his neck, but he doesn't. That scene in particular where uh, Christoph Waltz is, is just, you know, in his little futuristic, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, like a almost like a cable car where they, they bring him out of his cell <laughs> uh, down this long hallway and then, then they're just chatting in there. And it's they're so close to... Um, so close to each other yet so far away where you just expect him to just pull out his gun and, and off him. He doesn't. Um, but of course, Blofeld does die uh, in, a, in a very different, exciting way. Um, we see we see just this range of, of surprise, of suspicion about this child and then the realization that this child is his big new one for Bond. He's had a wife before who was executed at the end of uh, speaking of George Lazenby again on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, George Lazenby as Bond gets married and she's killed immediately after as they're driving to their honeymoon. Uh, And it's referenced later on. It's referenced as canon, uh, as Bond. Like, well, your wife. Oh, he had a wife, you know. Uh, So I imagine that we will get more of this child uh, in the future with whoever Bond uh, holds. So so many things are thrown at this man, Daniel Craig, in one isolated film that it's insane to believe that he was able to hold it all together. Um, but as we know, specifically from his Skyfall performance, we know that he can bring an emotional depth that we may not have seen in the other uh, Bond actors before. Um, very, very well calculated, very, uh, very of this era. And there's no there's not really an acting style to it that we saw in this, in the seventies and eighties and even nineties. It was, it was, this is as real as I can bring it to you. If I were a real person and he did that and it was super fascinating to watch. He did a, a, just an all-star job. Um, 
if Bond movies could get nominated for actors, I'd throw them up there. I really would. I don't know how many Oscar nominations uh, Daniel Craig will have the opportunity to in the rest of his career, but this one was exceptional. So bravo, Daniel Craig. Yeah, I like it. And I think, you know, he's he's obviously my pick as well. I think the thing that the thing that's hard about this is that this is the end for him as Bond, and it really felt like this performance was the most Daniel Craig Bond performance that we've had in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously the character arc is developed more, you know, it's coming to a, to a close here in this movie. So of course the character is going to be developed a little bit more, but you know, a lot of times in these big franchises, you, you have sort of a, an arc, <laughs> you know, like not, not an arc, not a story arc, but like an acting arc. Like once, once somebody fully gets into their character, they peak and maybe it's not even an arc. Maybe it's just like a, if they peak and then it flats from there and they're like, they're that character. I kind of feel that way about like Chris Hemsworth's Thor right now. Like we're going to get more mm-hmm. movies with that Thor character, but it feels like he is now the version of that character that we are supposed to be seeing, you know, that like everything was building up to this and now every performance from here on will be sort of in that realm. That's the closest like recent comparison I can think of, but it's sad, you know, and I like, I thought he was really, really stellar and I thought, you know, something really interesting about this movie overall was that tonally it was pretty it was pretty light at times, tonally, even though the subject matter was heavy, the stakes were high, people were dying, you know, Bond ends up dying. So it's like the stakes were extraordinarily high, and yet there was this there was this lightness to the movie, to the dialogue. There were there were jokes and, and Daniel Craig was delivering a lot of them and he balanced it so perfectly. Just just beautifully, honestly. It was, it was so fun to watch and he was totally in his element. Um and so yeah, it's hard it's hard to see this performance and know that it's the end when it was it was such a pleasure to watch and, and that he's done such amazing things for this character. But you know, you think about uh you know, Casino Royale. <laughs> I think a lot of people when they saw that movie, they go great movie, great character. That's not bond. You know, that's what I was hearing yep. at least at the time from a lot of people like great movie, great character, but that is not James Bond. And, and that's, that's fair. But it, you know, if this isn't James Bond, then no one is. I mean, this performance, this was, this was it. This was the genuine article. Um, and I think that, you know, with these big franchises, when you're playing a character like this, I think it could be easy to fall into a comfort zone and Daniel Craig just never did. So to his credit, he just kept building and kept creating and he ended up with a really, really nice finished bond character by the, by the end of this whole arc. So kudos to him. All righty, let's move into scene stealer. This is going to be an intro. I think this is going to be a really interesting category because this cast was chock full of fun characters you know, returning characters, Jeffrey Wright's uh, character came back. We got, you know, of course, you know, Ray Fiennes. We got Ben Winshaw or Wishaw coming back, Naomi Harris. I mean, just so many, so many. And then some newcomers as well with Rami Malek and Anna Darmus um, and Lashana Lynch. So be interested to see where we both go. But Kirk, you're up first. So I have gone back and forth on this um, <laughs> so many times because it's very it's very difficult we had a fantastic um a fantastic fantastic supporting crew in this uh, better than in any of any of the other ones uh again with the exception of skyfall i think to date that is daniel craig's um the best one out of all of them if we were ranking them that's number one on my list Agreed. every time skyfall it, it just blows all the other ones out of the water um i have to say that in this particular instance I'm going to go ahead and select Mr. Felix Leiter, played by Jeffrey Wright, ladies and gentlemen, Jeffrey Wright. Um, Felix Leiter has been around for a long time, actually. Uh, His first film, um, the character himself, it's hard to remember when he comes in. Uh, It's possible that it was... um, uh, in the Roger Moore, Marjorie Moore series, but I, I can't remember if the, if we also saw him during Sean Connery's reign. But the character of, of Jeffrey Wright of uh, Bond teaming up with a CIA agent to uh, tackle the world's problems and have more intel going into things because that's all that's half of what Bond does is he collects information from villains and from other uh, international leaders. So they wanted to have uh, connect the American audience, which is you know you have the UK audience as their number 
number one, but you know the U- the United States uh, audience is going to be gigantor for this character and always has been. So Felix Leiter, uh, Jeffrey Wright came in on this on Casino Royale, and he's been in uh, th- at least three appearances throughout all of Daniel Craig's time in the film series as, as Bond. It was quite wonderful to see him in this. I did not expect them to kill him and <laughs> James Bond in the same movie. When they killed him, I was devastated. I don't know if Cameron heard me kind of gasp in my seat or yeah, not. Yeah. Maybe it was uh, restrictive enough. But he really, really does bring so much more to this character than the other Felix Sliders of the bunch. I think Felix has been recast like six times throughout the Bond series. And this one just seemed so prominent. Um, he really developed a relationship beyond being a being a liaison, being an informational um, cohort to him. It was really like, "Hey, you're my brother, and I'm going to make sure you. I see you through this. You're going to. I see you make you silly." dangerous mistakes James Bond but I'm going to have your back as I know that you'll have mine so it was really really cool uh, to see that in this even as Bond is um, using a hostage uh, and telling them you guys messed up uh, you know and when we see oh what's that actor's name uh, he plays Ash um, oh, Billy, Billy Magnuson. Magnuson yeah yep as as they're going into this like fight sequence with them it's just really exciting to uh, to see someone take on a character like that and just own it in a much different way than it's been played as a very much a side character throughout the rest of the series. So Jeffrey Wright, rest in peace in the bottom of that ship submarine and uh, Bond, you've exploded into a thousand pieces. So hopefully you've been repieced together in heaven together. That's right. Everybody put an F in the chat for for Felix. Pay your respects. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's good. I think I think there is a really impactful part of that performance. I'll I'll piggyback since I'm not choosing Jeffrey Wright as my scene stealer just to get this in there. But like this mutual understanding that I thought was done really well as, as Felix is, you know, dying. I mean, he knows that he has to be sacrificed for bond to live, you know, bond can't carry the dead weight literally with him. Um, but this, you know, th- them seeing each other as humans for the first time, really, you know, they, they, they know the sacrifices that come with the jobs that they do. And Felix references his family. And so Bond watching Felix die is such an impactful moment. And Jeffrey Wright's performance in that moment, you know, drives it home in a major way because you hear that. I, I, I don't know. Like if you had told me going into that movie that Felix Leiter was going to be a character that died, I'd be like, who cares? <laughs> you know, like it just does not matter. But uh, you know, cool character. I love Jeffrey Wright. I love what he brings to the table. But like, I I could care less <laughs> about that character dying. But then when you see it in the movie, like it, it is way more impactful because of the way that it's done and, and the way that it matters to the character. So I like that, and I think Jeffrey Wright was great. Um, Kirk, you're gonna be mad at me because I'm I'm cheating. <laughs> I'm picking two. What? I'm picking no. two. I I no. am I, <laughs> because unlike you. I am not decisive and I waffled back and forth, honestly, between four different characters, but I've narrowed it down to two and I'm leaving it at that because I, uh, my brain can't take anymore. Um, but I'm going to start with Anna de Armas who plays uh, Paloma. I love this character, a true seam stealer in every sense of the word. Um, Anna de Armas and, and Daniel Craig have great chemistry on screen from their past on knives out where they shared a lot of screen time. And, just instantly clicked in this movie and, and that levity that I was sort of talk, talking about that airiness, that lightness that comes into this movie. A lot of it is, is set up by Paloma in this one scene where, you know, Felix is this, sorry, pre Felix dying. No. Yes, it is pre Felix mm-hmm. dying. Yep. They're, yep. they're in the, they're in the club. They're infiltrating specter, you know, Blofeld thinks Blofeld thinks he's, uh, lured Daniel Craig to his death. It's much to his chagrin. Safin has infiltrated and ends up killing all of the Spectre agents that are there to watch the death of, of Bond. Um, so it's this really cool scene. But as Bond is, is wont to do in these movies, he has another operative that he has to link up with to, you know, she's going to, similar to Vesper Lind in, in Casino Royale, she's going to act like a date. They're going to go do espionage. They're not from the same organization, but they are working together. And Paloma's awesome. <laughs> like this character is so well written. She is 
super innocent and just like happy to be there. She's like, Oh, I trained for three weeks for this, you know, like I'm, I'm ready to go. And she's just <laughs> super happy and excited, but also just a total boss. You know, she's, she's like kicking people, grabbing mini guns, you know, akimbo, like lighting people up. Uh, and she gets the mission accomplished. She's only in the movie for literally one set piece, you know, one big sequence, but totally makes her mark and is the true definition of a scene stealer in every sense of the word. And, it was interesting because when you meet her character, you know that that's what it's going to be, right? Like, you know that she's not going to carry on in the movie, and you're like, wow, they got Anna de Armas to do this? She's sort of a, a rising star. I'm surprised they were able to do it, but um, it all made sense in the end. She was the right person for the job. I thought she did an incredible job. Great preparation on her part and a really good performance. The flip side of that coin is my second pick, Lashana Lynch, who plays the new 007 Nomi. Um, she had a really tough character assignment, I feel like, in general. And that's mainly the reason that I tip my cap to her. Because from an audience perspective, she has to come in and be the new 007. And, you know, immediately people are going to be adversarial towards that because it's not Daniel Craig. But she has this this hard outer shell that she crafts really well. And it's it's not trite you know they do it in a way that's original she's got a lot of character depth she's really not a stereotypical character but then as it goes on she builds this respect for James Bond and understands what he's about and understands that they can coexist you know to save the world and that they need to that they need each other and it's just really well done and Lashana Lynch is just bringing it and in everything that I've seen her in recently I love what I love what she's doing and this was an awesome character um, when she first comes on the screen, you're like, eh, you know, I don't, I don't want any part of this. You're not supposed to want any part of it. But as it goes on, she really grows into a really cool character, a really fun character, um, and one that really enhances the overall movie. I think really well done by Lashana Lynch because it could have gone bad. And it could have felt, you know, cookie cutter and trite, I think, in a way. Like, oh, she's going to be the yin to his yang. You know, she's going to be this hard you know, shelled person on the outside, but soft on the inside. And in a way, like there's parts of that that are true, but there's so much more depth and, you know, so much more life that she brought to this character and realism mm -hmm. and context uh, that made this way, way, way more than that and, and did a really good job. So those are my two. Sorry, Kirk, I'm a cheater. <laughs> well, that's fine. Let me talk about your two for a second here. They were wonderful. They were absolutely wonderful. Uh, I love how you said, you know, there could have been a yin and yang for uh, for Miss Lynch. And the the wonderful part about that is that her her modes are more black and white uh, for like right and wrong, um, but not like set in stone because she is still an experienced agent. She has been doing this already for quite some time in Bond's absence. So you, you see her trying to be like, hey, listen, we can't do this. And Bond's like, hey, do what you got to do. Um, for this, for the particular scene that she objects to, but he, uh, but he says, I've, I've been around the block, but you do, you I'll do, I'll do me. And then they, she just kind of follows suit after she's ready to, you know, wave the red flag, like, Hey, listen, we can't do, we can't go this route. We can't go this path. And it's, it's neat to see she's still learning, but he's also learning from her because he's always been a good listener because he collects information. So they work really well in that sense for Ana de Armas, uh, for both of these characters, um, I, they'll absolutely continue on. Uh, they're, too rich of characters to just toss aside and for Ana de Armas to come in be be a part of this and then disappear well that's absolutely not happening with Felix Leiter's death we have this CIA agent primed and ready I this my guess my speculation is that we will see her in a Felix Leiter um, kind of extrapolation trying to trying to see her and develop that character for the next bond which is great because Ana de Armas is just exploding into every franchise imaginable um, um, that, that you can think of and will will continue to just do great work. She's a fantastic actress and it would be wonderful to see her continue that role on as well. So love your choices. I love them. Even though you cheated. Again. I did. I did. And I feel, <laughs> I feel awful about it, Kirk, let's be honest, but you know, here we are. It, decisions had to be made and I couldn't do it. So, so, yep. so yep. we'll just, we'll have to push through, but let's, let's talk about the production of this movie, the story, the, you know, the actual, the, the meat and potatoes of the thing, Kirk, I want to know what your showstopper was long movie, big runtime, big budget, lots of options here. I'm interested to see which direction you go. 
Yeah, the backstory. The backstory is my showstopper. Up until, um, I would say, the first hour and a half of this movie are so solid. Uh, I thought that we were seeing the magic of Skyfall happen again. We had uh, this this opening, this mysterious backstory open up with, uh, again, Saffron going going in and to, uh, to murder Mr. White and, and the family. And you have, you have the mom, Mrs. White, presumably. You have the mom saying, what do you think your dad does? We're over. Who cares? Like she's drinking herself to death. She's probably shooting up, whatever it might be. She is checked out. She doesn't care about anything. She's ready. She's accepted her, her, her destiny, her path, her fate. Um, that creepy backstory was such a good way to introduce everything. And then we just had, again, all the checkboxes for bond, but not just like, okay, now we're going to talk about exposition and now we're going to do a chase. Nothing was drawn out in that hour and a half. Nothing was, um, uh, if you will, like a, like a DC fight scene, you know, nothing was extended or just milked it all. Every action was intentional. Every frame was intentional for that first hour and a half. And I think that that kind of care for a movie of this magnitude is important. Um, uh, we, I often think about Tangled, uh, Disney's 50th production, animated production, Tangled, which it didn't get a lot of notoriety at the front end because uh, people were like, oh, it's Rapunzel. Uh, it's not, it wasn't quite marketed right. You know, it's only for girls because it's Rapunzel. Boys don't want to see it, even though they called it Tangled instead. And turns out people that saw it later or saw it then are like, Dang, this is really good. This is this is very, uh, very fun. It's new energy, new graphics. This is fantastic, and that's what I think that they were still trying to do. Make sure you were familiar enough with uh, the character and the styles of of this particular genre uh, for No Time to Die for Bond, and still also make sure that it was fresh. Every movie has to be a little bit more fresh. Otherwise, what are we doing this for? Otherwise, it's Fast and the Furious fifteen. You know, that's that's their thing, but. With Bond, we want to continue to grow this, continue to grow this business, and continue to grow this story. So that first 90 minutes, locked in. So good. Everything about it. Pro- production, story, acting, um, pyrotechnics. Uh, it was spectacular. So bravo to that first 90 minutes. All right. The backstory. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um What I really wanted out of this movie, and I told you this going in, the, the thing that I really wanted out of this movie was to make specter more significant to the arc and i think it 100 percent checked that box i think you know you you go into it and you're like i think i think the thing that with with specter that left a sour taste in my mouth honestly is like so he falls in love with madeline right and this is you know in casino royale he gets his heart broken you know that Vesper Lind betrayal, right? And and mm-hmm. you you see him sort of deal with that for Quantum of Solace, deal with the fallout of that with Mr. White there, and deal with it still in Skyfall where he's not really ready to trust. I couldn't figure out in Spectre what it was about Madeline that he felt he could fully trust her. You know, and they address that in a big way in this movie with that backstory and with that first scene that you're talking about with at the um, when he goes to actually Vesperlin's gravesite and gets blown up by the trigger bomb that that Blofeld had set there to sort of frame uh, Madeline. You know, it, they address the trust thing, which is really the crux of the whole character of Bond, and, and it does it enhances the backstory, it enhances Spectre, and it makes it all a little bit more worthwhile. So I think that's a great pick. Um, my pick is the, uh, you know, I don't want to say aesthetic because that's that's perhaps a little bit too shallow. I think the the tone and the feel, the, the bond, the bond in this movie, I should say. Like, <laughs> this was a very Bond, Bond movie. Like, the style, the, you know, the, the tone of the dialogue, the, the pace of the action sequences, the, the, di- the dialogue itself, you know, these, these quips and one-liners and things that were thrown out there, the character back and forth. Like, um, director here is Kerry Joji uh, Fukunaga, who hasn't directed a ton of feature films. If you watch Beasts of No Nation um, on Netflix with Idris Elba, he directed that film. First of all, I apologize if you've seen that movie. It's, it's a good movie, but man, haunting <laughs> Idris Elba's performance. Mm-hmm. Woo, scary. Um, but he's, he directed uh, 
uh, a lot of episodes of True Detective, so um, definitely very experienced. But this is a big budget movie in a huge franchise with with huge, you know, tons of stakes and production, you know, build out production design and things like that. And the style was great. the The textures, the the camera work, like the cinematography, that you know, the direction of cinematography was incredible. Um, the set pieces were were epic. They were big, and the you know it was just all so well balanced. It just felt very Bond. There were so many times in the movie where, you know, plot aside, you're watching a certain scene and you're going, "Man, the music is just right. The camera work is just right. The character back and forth is just right. Like everything is clicking in a way that just feels very Bond, and it brings a smile to your face." And that I think is what I liked the most about it because I think if there is one consistent critique of this series is like, you know, it's sometimes it doesn't feel like bond, you know, it feels, it feels very much like a modern film franchise, which it very much is um, as evidenced by the fact that they kill bond at the end of it, but we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't have like that bond feel and it's happened a couple of times where, you know, everything aligns, but in this movie, it just really felt, very Bond-like, and, and I, I loved that. It, it felt very cool, very slick. The whole the whole genre was embodied in the way that this movie looked and, and felt. So hats off to the crew. They, they understood the assignment and knocked it out of the park in terms of look and feel. But all right, let's move on to the other side. I think this will be interesting. I think this will be interesting. Director's Shoes. Let's take a look at the production and talk about what we didn't like, what we would change, what notes we have. Kirk, what, what do you got? Yeah, I think um, there have been plenty of movies uh, throughout Bond uh, and, and even in Daniel Craig's outings where we get characters who come in and, and go out. But again, we've never had them of the magnitude of Ana de Armas. It's obviously a tease to her future uh, path in Bond, but it was way too short. I feel like there should have been some resolution uh, for after Felix's death, even a phone call, um, a, a FaceTime. I don't know what that, I don't know when he would have fit the time in to do that, but nothing happened. And maybe we're looking forward to that in the future or to write it off uh, to not linger on this Felix lighter to go forward. I don't know what it looks like, but. I wanted more Ana de Armas in it because she had such a good introduction that it was uh, an absolute crime to not have her follow up in a later scene. Um, one of the other things that I that I was upset about is that those first 90 minutes locked in, right? Like I said, the next hour and 10 minutes, not so much. It was um, honestly just not concise. It was uh, running here, running there. It was... Uh, um, just long lingering pauses over Rami Malek that we know from Mr. Robot, of course, his, his biggest claim to fame. He's a fantastic actor. Um, he does really well in this, in this role, but past the background, uh, past the backstory, we didn't have enough to really continue to unfold more of his uh, just, detrimental plan to more of his motive to release this uh release this weapon like yeah man your your family was uh, was murdered um specter destroyed your life and you're coming after all of them um great let's kill the whole world too uh basically you have become specter like you have to you have to unveil that a little bit more um than than just his retaliation is for global power because of that it it never it never connected fully for me, even though there are several moments where he's explaining it uh, to Bond. Uh, it just never fully clicked strong enough. There wasn't a strong enough link, I, I should say. Um, now, Safin's final final death death scene is fantastic. Uh, I think <laughs> I think it's one of the most um, incredible uh, incredible death scenes of a villain. It's just. Um, Hey man, you're out. Just double tap, uh, and Bond walks away and continues on his mission. But I really feel like they were so close to building that out correctly. We get a lot of lost time with him and reminded how great Christoph Waltz is. Um, but we needed to up up Rami Malek's uh, character a little bit more. So sad to say, sad to say. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, man. I mean, uh, I'll probably bring up Safin in mind, but I think. I think my director's shoes really is just <laughs> this thing like 
and this isn't, you know, this isn't a very specific critique, but this thing like barely holds it together, to be honest. Like at the, at the end there, you kind of feel like you're in a rocket ship with duct tape trying to get through the atmosphere. You're like, uh, you know, doing one of these numbers, like, oh, we, you know, we're teetering on the edge of of destruction. There, you're you're sitting there going, ah, the stakes don't feel high enough, or oh, this doesn't feel like it's getting wrapped up enough, and. Uh, you know, the, you know, all these things are happening. These characters don't seem like we're going to get to the resolution we want. You just, you know, you got, you're looking at your watch and you're like, there are 20 minutes left. What are we doing here? How are we going to get out of this? And they do it. They do it. Okay. Like, the, like it ends up okay. Uh, you know, like I am sitting here going, we're 20 minutes away from the final, the end of the, of the Daniel Craig, you know, series and bond a very significant moment and it doesn't feel high stakes enough to me and yes i know that the whole world is in danger it's it's like that in every bond movie so that's not enough for me but i'm saying like they better start to make it feel like this guy's gonna die <laughs> you know if they're not gonna kill him they better make it feel like he is going to die which they do but they do it a little bit late and um you know you know the with the villain being what it is, as you were kind of alluding to, Kirk, really feels like a bit of a throwaway villain. Like, what's your motive? Spectre killed my family. Okay, cool. Well, that doesn't give you anything really personal against James Bond, per se, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so his whole vendetta against James Bond is just like, well, he's trying to stop me from destroying the world. <laughs> and it's like, okay. You know, you'd almost rather have Blofeld there at the end of the line, where there's this, you know, they were like, adopted brothers and, and they have this personal connection and there's something very intimate about it. And so you don't get that. Then you get, you know, you can't really tell where they're going with bond. You can't tell where they're going with his kid. They, they weirdly kind of tiptoe around the kid thing. Like, you know that it's his kid the whole time, but they try to make it like, they try to like lead you into it. And you're like, yeah, we've known the whole time. Like You don't have to tiptoe into it or like, try to give us this big reveal because we've known since she literally since she showed up on the camera, you go, Oh, that's James Bond's daughter. So, which that, that whole thing was like very trite, you know, it's like, it's, it's the Superman returns thing. You're like, okay, (laughs) here we go. Um, he has a daughter, you know, that, that gives him a, you know, he puts something good into the world type of thing. I get it all, but it just, it just barely holds together at the end and at, and at the end you do end up with a good story arc and everything everything closes nicely and they kill bond which felt like the only appropriate measure by the end of the movie and things like that um but it's close man i mean it's really tiptoeing a, a tightrope at the end to to make it out alive um but but they do it they do it in the end so that's my director's shoes i just think a little bit more thought into it i think there was so much thought into the bond character arc that there was less about the details that go into it, which is the details that really put a fine point on it. You know, who right. is the villain? What's the situation? What are we trying to do? What are, what are the stakes? Um, you know, it's, it's almost like they're like, okay, we have to get from point a to bond dead. Like, <laughs> let's just do that <laughs> and make sure that it makes sense. And I think they did it, you know, I would give it like an average grade on that. I, I don't think it was stellar, but it, it was serviceable. Yeah. The great point. They, they were so focused on their outline that they weren't focused on the proper progression of the plot points. Um, I mean, let's recap the deaths in this. You have bond, you have uh, Blofeld, you have yep. Safin and you have uh lighter Felix lighter Four. there's four major deaths in one film. Those are, of course, you know, the villains most likely going to die. Uh, Blofeld is his second appearance. You got a big idea. He's going to die. Um, Felix was just the wild card and bond was 50 50 as well. Yeah. But those big hitters just boom, 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 boom. I mean, that's bold. It was bold. And you have to live with those choices. Broccoli dynasty. So broccoli are the people who own the bond rights. Yeah. 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 yeah yep. Good, good call out. I think, yeah, it's for me right up until the scene where, you know, he's the last man standing on the Island and he's going through the stairwell, picking people off, you know, his, yes. his you know, Madeline and his daughter have, and, and Nomi have all gotten off the Island. He has his big hero moment. And that's the point where he's going through the stairwell. The music is swelling. 
It's nice. It's action-packed. It feels good. That's when you kind of breathe a sigh of relief. You're like, okay, you know a couple of things at that point. You're like, okay, Bond is dying for sure at this point. You, like, like you <laughs> yeah. know it. As he's going up the stairwell, you're like, here's his hero moment. Here's his big exit. You know that he's dying. You know that it's going to wrap up in a way that feels nice. And that's when you can kind of breathe the sigh of relief. But up to that point, especially when they're in that compound and, and you know, like Lashana Lynch's character, Nomi, is working on the doors and, mm-hmm. you know, the the bunny rabbit, <laughs> you know, the daughter drops the bunny rabbit and she's running away from Safin. Like that part feels very wobbly, feels yeah. very wobbly and really comes dangerously close to letting all the air out of the hot air balloon and just falling out of the sky. Like that's, that's, it teeters that close, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did, they did pull it together, but let's, Let's wrap it up, Kirk. I want to hear your final thoughts and scores on No Time to Die and, and I guess the, the Bond series that will go into what's next in a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more harsh of a critic because of because of my love for Bond, um, which as we all are, the closer we are to something, the more critical we are of it. Uh, much like ourselves, Cam, when we, when we start to dissect our lives. And Truth we are, bombs so much harder on ourselves than others can be but with the way this feels um the way this feels is that again for the third time let me proclaim that skyfall is the best of the daniel craig films and i would say the best of the series the best of the entire 25 film series skyfall tops my list hands down best villain best bond performance best uh full production easy so when you're trying to emulate that or give uh, give your audience something as powerful as that, it's a big ask. It's a big request. I feel like they were close. They were they were shooting for that at least. And in the moments of of clarity, those first ninety minutes, we could have had it. If we had a shorter Bond film, if this would have wrapped up in two hours, maybe. Maybe it could have happened, but two and a half hours was just a little bit too long for me with those deflating moments, as said. Um, I'm going to have to say that I still don't think they should have killed him. Uh, I have to say that I am a fan of him having a child because of past kind of lingering storylines they pulled through different bonds. So it can work because they've proven it can work through different things. Uh, And I also don't think Blofeld is dead because he's never really dead. He's been killed like six times throughout the different bonds as well. So fear not, Christoph Waltz will probably return in some way, shape or form. Uh, But with all of that, I wanted this to be so much more powerful we had a, they had a lot of extra time they could have spent on um, post production. They had a, a full basically two years of post production they could have done um, uh, uh, extra scenes, extra filming they could have done after they viewed this because it should have been as Tenant should have uh, been a uh, kind of a, a, a just a landmark on the pandemic. This especially should have been since it was the first film officially officially significantly delayed. I'm going to give No Time to Die a rating of 6.4 kernels out of 10. Wow. Wowzers. That's low, Kirk. That's low. That's low. I know. We'll see. Um, I like it. I think good points raised. Though we have, we have some things to discuss in the whole future Bond thing because I have yes. a feeling you and I are on very different pages about oh. what's happening next based on some things that, that you've said during this, but we should, we'll suss it out in the, in the next segment, but yeah, no time to die, man. Difficult, difficult movie to review for so many reasons. Uh, we have obviously spent a lot of time unpacking it because there, there is so much to discuss, but yeah, Kirk, I agree just real quick uh, on the daughter thing. It is trite, you know, it's like, Oh, he has a daughter, you know, but it actually does work for the character. It actually does work. And and it is one of these things where, you know, the whole arc of Bond really does come to a nice close with that because he feels at peace knowing that, A, he was able to trust. You know, he was able to actually feel a human trust for someone else, which is a hard thing for regular people to do and even harder for a super spy to do for sure. Right. And he's put something good into the world, knowing that that little girl is out there, gave him the peace of mind to know that like, 
you know, he, he has a lot, he deals with himself a lot in this series and, and comes to terms with, you know, who he is, you know, he's always trying to do well, but seems to just be putting more bad into the world he feels like. And so for, for him to know that he has put something good and innocent into the world helps him to feel like, all right, at least I did that. You know, like I've, I've done my best. I've tried my best and this is, this will be my legacy. And so I do like that from the arc. And, and overall, that's my big takeaway from this movie is that the Daniel Craig Bond arc does close up nicely. I really, I really do like what they did with the character arc. I think it was solid. I do like that this movie enhances Spectre, which I think is a very forgettable Bond movie on its own that didn't feel like the stakes were appropriately high. This one helped elevate that. But in the end, I think it just, like, as much as I love, like, I thought it looked beautiful and, and, and sounded great and, and just had the whole tone and feel stuff that I talked about in, in Showstopper, it just, plot-wise, was on rocky terrain and and just not as solid as you would like to see for a finale. Um, you'd really like them to have their ducks in a row and, and to feel really solid and, and very, you know, just you want it to feel super intentional. And, and in a lot of ways, there were times in this movie where you're like, okay, was the writer's room just like, hey, what if we did this? <laughs> you know, like there are times where you really <laughs> felt like that with this movie. And so that kind of stuff is what what hurts it. And that's kind of stuff that took the air out of the balloon at times where, you know, you had to rebuild up the momentum and it didn't end up coming together till literally the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie. Um, all told, I enjoyed it. I thought, you know, the runtime was long and, and, you know, that's one of the big complaints are like, it's slow and it's long. I think I've seen people saying that. Um, I get it. But overall, I, I tended to enjoy it. It's not a great movie, but I do think it's a good movie and I do think it's a good Bond movie. So for me, it's a 7-7. It's a 7.7 out of 10 kernels. Not quite in that 8 territory. Certainly not in Skyfall territory, but I think it I think it clocks in as the third best movie of the Daniel Craig era. So dead center. I think it goes Skyfall, Casino Royale, this one, Spectre, Quantum of Solace. Um, mm. And I feel pretty, pretty solid on that. Mm-hmm. All right. That's sky or I almost said that's skyfall. No, it's not skyfall. Let the sky fall. Oh, that's what we should do next is rank rank the bond songs from the Daniel Craig era. Yeah. Uh Billy Eilish was on the mic for for this one. And I liked it, but I felt like it felt a little bit derivative of the Spectre song which was the Oscar winning song. Um by why am I forgetting his name? Was it John Legend? No, it wasn't John Legend. Sam Smith. Sam Smith. Sam Smith. That, it felt it felt like the Sam Smith song to me. I think Adele's Skyfall, incredible. Mm. Um, there was the Chris Cornell, rest in peace. You you know my name. That was Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then there was the Alicia Keys Black Keys one for Possibly. Quantum of Solace, which I liked that one too. But yeah. honestly, the ranking might be the same for those as well. I would agree. I would, I'm, <laughs> I'm spot on with your ranking of the Daniel Craig films as well. <laughs> yes. But, uh, uh, I love Billy. The songs, though, that could be a fun one because uh, I really enjoyed the the Billie Eilish one. when she. I forgot that she was the title sequence uh, song, and I was like, oh, it's Billy. Let's go. Yeah, she's yeah. great. She's great. Um, that, that documentary on Apple TV Plus, that's hers. Um, that's worth a watch. They they show them making that song, or oh, they show nice. them like getting the call that they've been chosen for Bond, and then like the the creative process for that. But I do like the song. I think it goes. <laughs> I think it goes. Adele, <laughs> Sam Smith, Billie Eilish, Chris Cornell, uh, the White Stripes. I said the Black Keys earlier. The White Stripes and, or maybe it's just Jack White and Alicia Keys. I don't know, but I think it's that maybe. Order. Quantum of Solace, bottom of both lists. <laughs> <laughs> and, and any iteration. <laughs> no, I mean, no matter which way you slice it, Quantum of Solace is ending up on the bottom of the order. Just, uh, just an unfortunate uh, stain in, in Bond history. <laughs> For sure. But let's let's go into this, Kirk. Let's talk about the future of Bond. And I, and I think this is going to be interesting because you're talking, you're, ta- you're dropping bombs like you think Anna de Armas is going to be back. Yes. You think that, you think that somehow Christoph Waltz's Blofeld is going to be back. 
How do you see that working, Kirk? Because, of course, the yeah. big twist here is that they've killed Bond. For the first time in the entire history of the franchise, they've killed him. So my thought, you know, is that they will do what a lot of modern franchises do, similar to, like, Spider-Man. They will reload and reboot, mm -hmm. get a new character, act like nothing from the old world matters, mm -hmm. and just redo it. New Money Penny, new M, new Q, the whole nine without any sort of canonical carryover from the old series. But you're saying you don't think that's the case, Kirk. I want to know why. Yeah, because Bond is is so different because the, that was the first uh, the first strange thing that I saw as I was watching them chronologically uh, from the time that they were, were released, that they were referencing things. Um, they were referencing Goldfinger in, 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 you know, the, the Roger Moore series. Uh, they were referencing the wife uh, passing away. Like, yes, I was married once. And it was prominent. It was a prominent plot point uh, as he had uh, with completely different characters uh, that didn't, that had never been introduced before. Um, that's why I see this, uh, these things continuing on an armrest easy, easy, full confidence. I don't know uh, how I'm you could say that. I don't know how you confidence. could say it. Because when I saw, I had no recollection. This is how uh, minor Felix Leiter is in the previous Bond iterations. I was like, wait, Felix Leiter? That's that's Jeffrey Wright in Casino Royale. And like that was like an epiphany moment. Like, oh my gosh, he's a recurring character throughout the entire series. I mean, I kid you not, he's probably had at least 12 appearances uh, before um, Jeffrey Wright's three uh, in, a, in the other Bond films. And I'll... I'll fact check myself later um so that one no question that Ana de Armas big big house power uh power film actress um going to be um you know Oscar and her Oscar winner one day um action star just acting chops just galore she's going to continue because if Felix is gone they're going to bring her back no questions Blofeld. Let's talk about Blofeld. Um, yeah, he just like just eats it right there uh, because of because it's it's on uh, Bond's hands, right? He touched he touched the guy, right? It's it's in his veins, and it's now off to Christoph Waltz and kills him in the cell. Um, at one point, there was an opening scene. I forget which one. It's in my notes because I took notes on my Bond watching because I'm a nerd. And they, uh, I think it's Roger Moore, and the Roger Moore's chasing him in some sort of plane. He and Blofeld's following behind him, or no, Blofeld's on a roof, and he's got a big a big button uh, for to explode Bond, and Bond's in a helicopter, and somehow Bond figures out a way to scoop Blofeld up with the helicopter, bail out of the helicopter, and the helicopter explodes because Bond gets the button, like they reverse positions, and he hits the button. Blofeld drops from the helicopter into a silo and the silo explodes so like there's no question they wanted to kill Blofeld in this opening sequence of a Bond film and then he shows up a couple films later okay so, but hold on hold on yeah go for it I'm gonna interrupt you <laughs> because I hear what you're saying and it makes sense to me but it mm -hmm. feels like there's one ginormous detail that you're leaving out which okay. is that they just killed the Daniel Craig James Bond like he's actually dead Mm -hmm. So, like, in the other instances, you could get away with being like, oh, yeah, this guy's back or this character carries over or whatever because we're all just pretending that Bond is this entity that continues to live on in perpetuity. And though the actor may change, we're all supposed to assume that it's, like, the same dude. Mm -hmm. Well, how, how mm -hmm. do you get a new Bond and bring back, say... Anna de Armas, and she presumably her character Paloma would know that James Bond has died, and then she meets this new James Bond mm -hmm. who's not Daniel Craig. Like, like, how does that work though? Like, how does that actually work? Yep, they'll make it work because they just won't reference it. They will just say, "Ah, Paloma, I believe you've met," and that's it. Or they won't even say something as specific as that. And then with Blofeld, it'll be a very similar situation. It'll be like, "Oh my gosh, Blofeld somehow survived." It's that—that's what they've always done, and they do it in a way that they just skip over it and they just go because. So they, know they would those go, "Oh, Blofeld." somehow survived in the same movie that James Bond died. Mm -hmm. Like, how do they, I don't understand. Like, 
I get that they've mowed over it before. Like that totally checks for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I got it. I'm tracking there, but I don't see how they keep it going without everybody being like, hold on. Mm-hmm. Like, like especially you said, you said something about the daughter moving on. Like, right. They can't reference that he had a daughter. They can't. It's, it's a different dude. Like they, they cannot <laughs> do it. They cannot do it. Huh? Well, I mean, you know, he had a wife. He had a wife, and he looks very different. Well, from, sure, looked different, from, but he didn't die. He didn't die, though. I know, but the Broccoli's, they have figured it out time and time again. Bond, you know, at this at this age, I mean, should should be like 125 years old. <laughs> well, sure, yeah, that makes and, sense. <laughs> right? But you're so. supposed to assume that this is like a collection of stories, almost a la like Sherlock Holmes. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm going to... I will slightly trust you. I will say that Thank because you. you're the, you're the expert on the subject, but I will just say that this, this to me, the death of bond represents a paradigm shift in how they view their character. And to me, I feel like the broccolis are looking at this and they're like in the modern age of cinema, people want things connected. They want, they want a tight cannon. They want tight through lines from movie to movie to movie. And so when you get to the end of an arc of a bond, it's Whack off the Whack head, <laughs> they die, you reboot it, you you just move, but it has I feel like they I feel like they will choose different characters. Like if Ray Fine shows up as M in the next Bond movie and Henry Cavill is is Bond or something, I'm gonna fall mm-hmm. out of my chair. I'm gonna be like <laughs> I'm gonna be like Jesse Pinkman, like he can't keep getting away with this. You know, like I'm just I'm not gonna stand for it. I will not. Uh, you know, in in the original Bond films, up to Pierce Brosnan, there was a male uh, M, and he then then Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench, take, took over, and then she continued to Daniel Craig, true. and then they killed her. Good point. Um, and then they went back to a male M, uh, presumably because the, you know, there was a an understanding that this Daniel Craig Bond happened before uh so you know there's a weird like with the placement of daniel craig's bond there was a weird question of where he, what timeline and what era he fits into for sure especially and, with casino royale being the first movie right right so with all of that i'm just telling you the the laws of time and physics do not apply <laughs> to the world of bond <laughs> i mean i know it just like I, I will seriously be so off put <laughs> if they just killed <laughs> Daniel Craig and then they reboot with a new bond and they bring in all these old characters like nothing happened. Like I will not stand for that. I will not allow it. I will not. Yeah. I mean, Let's you keep this he- clip <laughs> for three years from now when the next bond rolls out and see I how mean- I feel then. You also had the same cue from bond one to bond, uh, to uh, to Casino Royale, I can't remember if he was uh, alive in Quantum of Solace as well. But he uh, Q the new Q uh, Wish Winshaw Wish Ben Winshaw, yeah, yes. You know he is relatively new to the Bond world. Yeah. He's doing a great job. He's he's an he, it's an exciting energy to the character. Um, but he went through all the Bonds. And it was like he never said like oh you've you've shaved differently today, James. Nothing like that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm showing up to Comic-Con with a sign that says we want answers or something like if this sign guy appears like I'm watching you, Barbara Broccoli, like I, this make like seemingly logical decisions. I am okay with, with some chaos, but you just killed Daniel Craig. Like let's, let's be, let's keep our heads here. Or maybe they didn't. <laughs> oh dude, they, that's the other thing that will make me absolutely die if they somehow act in a future movie like he didn't die and just like rode off into the tuscan sunset with madeline and his daughter i will i will be devastated because he they seem to go over the top to be like yeah he's dead i mean they didn't show us his body because there wasn't a body left he got exploded by a by a missile like a giant missile um so he should be very very dead and there wouldn't really be anything to see but that felt like guys he's dead like he's dead mm-hmm. watch the missile hit the thing watch him explode type of mm-hmm. deal but we'll yep. see we'll see they could find a way i'm sure they could it doesn't mean that i will love it 
In fact, it probably means that I will I will hate it, if we're being honest. But that's it. That's No Time to Die. We just talked about that movie for an hour. I act like I'm surprised. I'm really not surprised at all um, because I knew this was a big one. This is one we've been waiting for for a long time. I don't know that we expected our scores to be as low as they ended up being. You know, uh, Not that 7.7 and 6.4 are horrific scores, but, you know, it's... It's a, I think it will come as a surprise to some people. Yes. But that's all we got for you guys. We're glad to be back. We've got tons of new stuff coming out this week. We, we've seen Dune. We're going to be reviewing that. We're going to be talking about the What If finale, finally. Um, finale, finally. Uh, we're going to be talking about all the big movie news that's going on. And we might sneak in a Halloween Kills movie review just for the you know it's the reason for the season slasher films (laughs) we'll see we'll see what happens what time allows but thank you guys so much we are so glad to be back thank you for listening as always we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer ryan spriggs as well as the band that created our original music which you're hearing now that band is called rhetoric check them out on spotify and anywhere else you listen to music we will talk to you guys very very soon see ya bye